0: speak to you in the name of our one holy, vulnerable, and suffering God. It is finished. Jesus' final words in John's account of the Passion that we've just heard. In Latin, of course, this is consummatum est. It is consummated. Today is the consummation of of the marriage of heaven and earth, the consummation of the union that Jesus has been living into throughout his ministry. Today, Jesus laboring on the cross is his final great act of love-making with the world. Now, we the church have created some truly horrible theologies around this great act of love that it was payment to a wrathful God, or that Jesus took the beating we deserve. John Dominic Crossing goes so far as to say that most of our so-called atonement theology amounts to little more than cosmic child abuse. But we only stray down those dead-end roads when we fail to miss the note of cosmic love in which Jesus' whole life is sung and offered, when we fail to recognize the God of love that Jesus reveals in his living and today in the consummation of his life in his dying. In this final great act of love making, Jesus dying, he quickens a new kind of human life, a new possibility in the world. Bred into all of us human beings as our evolutionary baggage is our survival of the fittest tendency mentality we all come into the world with deeply programmed fight or flight responses and this programming helpful as it may have been throughout our evolutionary history leads us today to all manner of divisions separations tribalism within the human family. Uh, It's our essential tendency to other, to create an other, to make of someone else an object of competition, an enemy. We see it happening in the Gospel reading. It's a way of seeing the world that's governed by our primitive Hind brain, what scientists call our reptilian or our lizard brain it 's the part of our brain that allows us to fall into mob mentalities, as again we heard in the passion and While we can think thank that impulse uh, for getting us this far in our evolutionary unfolding, we nevertheless see in Jesus an effort at every turn to overcome this knee-jerk tendency to other and to replace it with something else. Uh, He upholds the Samaritan heretic as a model of godliness. He lifts up the great faith he sees in the pagan Roman centurion. He constantly looks for and loves outside of our boundaries, our lines, our boxes. And he constantly pushes his disciples, pushes us to see not from fear and separation, but instead from our essential unity. And last night, on Monday Thursday, knowing that he's about to die, he prays to the Father, may they all be one, as you and I are one. May they all make this leap beyond fear and division. And then he bears that seeing from oneness all the way down to his dying breath today. And I think that maybe this is what we really mean when we talk about the atonement, which, of course, etymologically simply means atonement, making one. Can love, can seeing from oneness be held even into our moments of greatest fear, greatest contraction, held down into the world's deepest darkness and suffering? Can all of it be included in love? Or will Jesus retreat at the last, as we all probably would? Will he retreat into his primitive fear centers and curse those who would kill him? We could understand it. We'd probably forgive it. In fact, we might even be comforted by it if this is what he did. But then this new possibility, the new life he brings, would not be consummated, would not be quickened in the life of the world. Jesus' path all along has been this path of self emptying, outpoured love, what St. Paul calls kenosis. Can Jesus hold true to that path even today on Good Friday, betrayed, suffering, and crucified? Luke tells us that among his dying words were these, spoken for his murderers. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Every act of fear, hate, betrayal, of selfishness, of othering, Jesus sees is simply an act of ignorance. Because when we truly know, as Jesus did, when we truly know that none of us are separate, all that's left is love. He holds true to the path. He does not judge or blame or other as he dies. He stays rooted and grounded and dies in love. This is atonement, atonement. And I don't think anyone has understood or expressed this more fully or clearly than that great 14th century Christian mystic Julian of Norwich, who after her visions of the crucified Christ wrote these words, here in the cross of Christ, here I saw a great one between Christ and us, to mine understanding. For when he was in pain we were in pain, and all creatures that might suffer pain suffered with him. The love of God creates in us such a one that when it is truly seen, no person can separate themselves from another. In the sight of God, we are all one, and one person is all people, and all people are one person. Jesus looks with these eyes, with this seeing, as he dies, and it is consummated. His love making is complete. He dies, and the seed of his life falls into the ground. Very truly, I tell you, he says in John's Gospel, unless a seed, a grain of wheat, falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, if it dies, it bears much fruit. Today, with Jesus consummatum est, the seed of heaven falls into the womb of the earth. And something new in the history of humankind is conceived. A new kind of life, a new kind of human being. We do not have to give in to fear, or hatred, or othering. In fully consummating this possibility, Jesus opens it for all of us. Kenosis, self-emptying, lived to the hilt seeing from unity down to one's dying breath, dying in unjudging love. This possibility is now planted as a fully consummated, fully realized possibility within the DNA of the human family. Some of you probably know the writings of Carol Hauslander, a great Roman Catholic mystic who died back in the 1950s. And she puts this mystery uh, this way. When Christ died, the whole world was sown with the seed of Christ's life. That which happened 30 years ago in the womb of the Virgin Mother was happening now. But now it was happening more secretly, yet more mysteriously, in the womb of the whole world. Christ had already told those who flocked to hear him preach that the seed must fall into the earth or else remain by itself alone. Now the seed of his life was hidden in darkness in order that his life should quicken in countless hearts over and over again for all time. His death, which seemed to be the end, was the beginning. It was the beginning of Christ's life and multitudes of souls. This is what's happening today in the darkness of Good Friday. Look past the fear and the hatred and the ignorance charging through and around the events of this day. They're all a distraction from what's really going on. Jesus isn't paying off an angry God or offering himself in order to make you feel bad about yourself. Rather, in words that come from Cynthia Bourgeau, Jesus' real purpose in this sacrifice was to wager his own life against his core conviction that love is stronger than death, and that the laying down of self, which is the essence of this love, leads not to death, but to life. The Paschal mystery reminds us that it is not only possible but imperative to fall through fear into love, because that is the only way we will ever truly know what it means to be alive. Consumatum est. Today, it is consummated on the cross jesus has drawn all the world to himself in one great and final act of love making a new pattern is completed and a new humanity conceived and so may this love sown today in the womb of the earth be quickened in all of our hearts the last words i give to lady julian Would you know your Lord's meaning in this thing? Know it well. Love was his meaning. Who showed it to you? Love. What did he show you? Love. Why did he show it? For love. Hold fast to this, and you will know and understand more of the same but you will never understand or know from it anything else for all eternity. Amen.